You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, we're sitting outside overlooking the river and it's a magnificent day. So hopefully you'll hear a few birds chirping in the background, a few boats going along the river as I have a chat with Catherine Wilkinson. Welcome to Max's Island, Catherine. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So Catherine, just introduce yourself quickly to our audience and then go straight into your story. Well, my name's obviously Catherine Wilkinson. I live in Perth. And um, I've got a daughter and a beautiful husband as well. And I am working out at university as a tutor. But um, I'm going to be telling you a bit of a story of how I got there. Great. Well, lead straight in. What was the time that your either life changed or you did something really different? Well, for me, I think I can honestly say where my life really made a huge change was the day I got retrenched. (laughs) Uh, And when I got retrenched, I was in good company because I was working in an advertising agency that pretty much got rid of um, a staff of 150 down to 30 people. And it was the largest retrenchment in Australian advertising history at the time. Well, that's, that's good Melbourne. to be, be fam- part of that famous <laughs> so point in time. So every Friday was a retrenchment day. Everyone got rumour of someone leaving on Thursday. And um, I was a junior art director at the time and knew my time was up pretty quickly. So I got retrenched. And basically, my mother gave me good advice with my very small retrenchment package. Give me half of it. And half wasn't a huge amount. And you can use the other half, but give me half. I'll put it in the bank. Luckily, I did that because having been retrenched, I thought, okay, I can have a little bit of a break. But six months down the track, when everyone else was looking for work, I knew that it just wasn't happening. I was in Melbourne at the time and everyone was looking for work. So I had an option, an option to change career. And I'd only just started as a junior art director in advertising or think outside the square. And by sheer chance, I had a friend of my sister's who was living in Singapore at the time, who did me a huge favor. She actually said to me on the phone, why don't you come over, stay with me and look for work. And I thought, I've got absolutely nothing to lose. So that half of the retrenchment payout I got, which honestly was tiny, I used that as my airfare up to Singapore for a bit of a risk 
a little bit of a break and to see what I could do. After a few weeks in Singapore, and it was great fun, I got offers for um, some freelance work at an agency. And I decided to take a bit of a risk, hoping that that freelance work would turn into a full-time job. So I decided to leave Melbourne, get all my stuff sent over to Perth, and fly back up, hoping that the freelance job would turn into a full-time job. I had nothing to lose and uh, everything to gain. And by sheer chance, after four weeks at this freelance job, at this gig, I got a job offer wow. in Singapore. Took the risk. At Burnett's. I took a major risk, but I had nothing to lose. And so that led me on my path. So I ended up having um, three years in Singapore working for an agency called Leo Burnett and um, doing a whole heap of experience. I mean, obviously, Singapore at that time in the early 90s was expat crazy because of the recessions that had been hitting and uh, you had a lot of expats coming in. And so I um, was there for three years, had a ball, partied hard and worked very, very hard. I know someone who was in Singapore at the same time working in advertising. You may have, their paths may have crossed, but um, yeah, I I get, I got got the strong impression that the partying was a big part of that era. (laughs) I survived on barocas and there was one or two nightclubs in Singapore at the time and it's very different now, but um, it was fantastic. It was a great ground work for me and I learnt a lot basically because Singapore being multicultural, you had to do your ads in three different languages, Tamil, Mandarin and English a lot of the time. So I learned a lot. And so from there I decided to um, embark on another little trip after three years, getting a bit burnt out. I decided to take off to Europe, but I was, my aim was to bring my folio and to um, try to get a job in London. So I took couple of months off and then I started looking for work and joined as a headhunter there and at Christmas time close to Christmas time so I'd been there for a few months and I got an offer so that was brilliant because I wasn't sure what I was going to do if I didn't get an offer um, whether I was going to go back to Australia or not but this came in and it was as a creative as a creative director at an agency part of Ogilvy Mather and we were positioned in Soho Square. Wow. So it was bloody key, <laughs> key area to be in to work. And I lived in a great location with some other Australian expats just down the road in Wimpole Street. So it was quite a funny experience, but um, we had a great time there. And so I was there for pretty much two years and another wonderful experience working again um, in advertising and um, and just experiencing different clients and obviously the lifestyle in England, which was basically you walk out the door and you spend £10 already, but it was the, you know, the, the joy of being able to travel over to Europe very quickly and, and have some you know, great experiences um, just seeing different countries. So, and did your Singapore experience, was that a valued? Yeah, absolutely. I think because I'd had three years in another country and Singapore was very multicultural, it was terrific to have that backbone. And then... I use that with my with those experiences, like with any any job really. The more you have experience at it, the better you become at it, and you can draw on those experiences to help you in any tough times that you may get. Yeah. So anyway, so I was there for a couple of years, but I, I I'd made some really good friends, and I'd made some really good American friends, 
and uh, one in particular was in Chicago. And so I sort of always toyed with the fact it would be really cool to move over to the States and try my hand at advertising over there. And I think once you start on this role of jumping countries and moving, it's, it becomes quite natural and quite easy. I, I didn't have a fear of it at all. It was just the next thing I was thinking of doing. So on a whim, I grabbed my folio and took off to Chicago and I got a job offer in New York and I got a job offer in Chicago at um, O&M in New York and at Burnett's head office in Chicago. And I'd worked at Burnett's in Singapore and I'd worked at O&M in London. So I had some sort of connections there as well. And, and you know, I think they thought it was quite funny, this Aussie girl rocking up with a portfolio. And, and I, love, I love that you say with your portfolio because back in those days, exactly. it literally was a physical it was, it was the 90s. portfolio it really where you had a big zip bag and you'd open it up exactly and it'd have the right. plastic sleeves yep. with, with all your work yep. in there. Now, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's on a thumb drive. Plug that into the computer. So this is back in the dark ages, it feels like. But the fact is that I got a job offer in both, but um, I'd gone and visited both, obviously, a few times. And I really love Chicago. Chicago. Chicago is a beautiful city. I don't know if you've ever been no, there. It's the Windy City. The Windy City, that's right. And it's on Lake Michigan. And the lake's so enormous, you, you can't see the other side. It looks like an ocean. And it's a beautiful city. It's home of uh, great architects. And it's a stunning city, actually. And so, But I love New York as well. And uh, But I decided I'd take the job offer at Leo Burnett Head Office. Leo Burnett um, is unusual in the sense it's one of these multinationals, but they don't um, they only have one main office in America. Rather, the other the others always have um, offices in certain states, so to speak. So I tried my hand at that, and it was interesting because, apart from one other girl, who was a girl from Brisbane, who got a, I got in touch with, um, who's become a very good friend of mine ever since. We're the only Aussies in the building, and I was the only creative. Australian in the building and um, so I was a bit of a novelty I suppose you could say. <laughs> so you say you're a novelty was that in a positive way or well, a negative way? It was in a positive way. way. A positive way because I was remem- remembered everywhere I went right. because I was the Aussie yeah. and um, can you say something and all that sort of stuff. I was also um, just to backtrack I suppose you could say for people that don't realise with the creative industry and advertising it is very much still a bit of a boys club yeah it was very much a boys club there and I was used to the fact that I was pretty much the only girl a lot of the time um, uh, in America um, in Chicago I was put with 12 guys they were literally the boys club was that and to I make or break you do you think I think I think they saw that I had promise and they wanted to sort of try me out in um, in this group there were a lot of creatives there and I was the only girl in this group and it was literally the, I used to call them the boys club they were all lovely what I found with Americans they can be extremely conservative they you know if, if Australians like swearing and you know so they were quite shocked sometimes at what I'd say <laughs> But um, so anyway, so um, that was an experience. But I soon realised that what I, what, what I was becoming was um, one out of many in regards to, um, there were a lot of accounts, the big league there, they had McDonald's, it, yeah, there was Kellogg's. It was mm. a lot of really sort of the big old fashioned brands and they do great stuff for them. 
um, but it was very hard to get your work through. And so I was there for two years and it became quite frustrating that you'd work your guts out, you'd present, you'd pitch, you'd do everything but often you couldn't get the work through. And that was at the with the client or that at the agency the client. level? That was client. So, you'd okay. get it through agency level and you'd be there, but, um, but you know, it was a huge agency to jump into. So it was time after two years of being there and traveling the States and I went to Paris for a, um, a shoot I, wow. um, you know, I did a lot of stuff. I had a, you know, I had a creative director that, you know, would take off and, you know, when Tyson was fighting, he'd take off to Vegas for the weekend for a Tyson fight. Um, you'd, you'd be in the big league with a lot of money being spent outrageously at the agency. And yeah, and when they had to pitch, repitch for McDonald's, they literally stopped pretty much all the work that everyone else was doing and you had to work on the pitch. And uh, But you worked very long hours. And it was one of those times when I ended up working too long hours. So I knew that I needed to get back into Australia. So it sounded like those that, that classic stereotypical fast-paced yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. I mean, look, I loved America. I loved working there and um, in that in respects for the travel I was doing. And the, I was very lucky because I was working on accounts that I was travelling to New York every week. Mm. So I'd catch the 7 o'clock flight for, a, say, a 10 o'clock meeting. And I'd fly in and I'd fly out. Um, there would be, But there would be wonderful times. I'd be able to take the weekend and stay there and see, you know, like Gianni Versace had been murdered and they had this huge, big retrospective at the Met for him. So I happened to be in town on that Friday and made sure I stayed the weekend so I could go and see it. So I did a lot of things like that, which was fantastic. Great opportunities. Yeah, it was. And I had lots of people come over and visit and, you know, the first thing they'd say was to me, Chicago's amazing and it's not on the... on. On the coast, it's actually inland, but you know it makes you feel as if you're on the coast with the lakes. So, so um, that was America. That was America, mm. and I decided I would um, head back to Australia. So, um, Australia was calling, and I always knew I wanted to get back. I but didn't you, know you're it was you're a Perth girl. Yes. So, but you didn't come back to Perth. Didn't come back to Perth. I ended up uh, getting a job offer, a transfer actually, if I wanted to, to Melbourne. But since that was where I got retrenched, <laughs> or you know, nine years previously or whatever. I thought, mm, you know what? No, Sydney seems to be more of my kind of town. I want to move to Sydney. And my sister had moved there as well, and uh, I had two sisters over there at the time. And I thought, no, I'm going to give my give Sydney a go. Sydney seemed a bit more like a, an America in that regards. Um, so I moved to Sydney, and it was a struggle. And I don't know um, in regards to anyone else, but when you've lived overseas for quite a while, coming back to Australia can be tough. Yeah. Feels like the, the, there's been some air let out of the bubble. Yeah, a I think bit. so. And also because of the fact that you're, you're back in your home, well, your, your home country with the same accents. And so what you did in the past being overseas. No one's got a clue about that. Yeah. No one really cares. 
and it doesn't really amount to anything at that stage. So it was it was an interesting first few years in Sydney. It was a bit it was a, it was a bit tough. But I actually I already got I'd got a job and that went really well and um, so that was going fine. But then things started happening and I met my husband. Yes. Life changed very quickly. So <laughs> life changed incredibly quickly. It was pretty much that aha moment. I'd done nine years overseas. And yeah, it was it, it was time for a huge, huge change, huge life change. And then walked my husband. And was he in advertising? He wasn't in advertising. Oh, that's probably a and good so, thing. Yeah, it probably <laughs> was a good thing. And uh, so that changed my life. And I, off, I actually said in my wedding speech that it took me all around the world to finally meet him, and it was in <laughs> it was in Sydney. So um, I married my husband, obviously, and we ended up uh, falling pregnant, and that was the next big change. So I realised very soon after I got married that advertising for me, I think I'd done my, given my all completely and utterly, and was pretty much aware of the fact that um, if I was thinking of having a family and being 100% there, Advertising, particularly in a creative department, was probably not going to be my ideal situation. Um, That's a massive change, isn't it? Where you say nine years on your own, travelling the world in a very high-paced, high-stress environment. Yeah. And then, yeah, making the switch to that realisation to say, well, family life is is going to be different. uh, And I realised that family life was always going to be my goal. I always knew I wasn't going to marry an American guy. I wanted an Australian in the end. <laughs> and I knew that you know, my, my end result was going to be I wanted children. I wanted to start a family. So it, it came at the perfect time, actually. And again, it's another sort of life changer, as, as everyone experiences. And so that brought me to motherhood. And I resigned from my job at my agency I was working at. I'd been there for, um, uh, oh, gosh, eight nine years there too and no sorry six years and uh, I had Emily in the pram after she was born I was Emily in the pram next to me as I sat down in the boardroom to resign wow. and it was actually really quite special because they were all they knew it was probably coming they knew my you know that you know this is what I was wanting and what have you and um, so my really lovely MD said can I bring all the staff in so all the staff came in Everyone sat around the table. We had a fairly sort of small agency at that stage. And with Emily being only three months old <laughs> in the frame next to me, I said, guys, I'm actually resigning. Uh, this is my calling now. I'm a mum. And they all cheered. It was great. great. Yeah. Fantastic. And they knew. They were all thrilled for me. Um, they were sad to see me go, obviously, but they knew it was the next stage. Did you, at the time, feel like you might have been letting some glitz and glamour and some excitement go and was that a regret or not 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 a regret but was something you thought you might be losing well not really I think I just it had been it had been time for a while and I knew that it was it was um I suppose you could say uh and the next stage of my life and I was very apparent because I was mid-30s and I was thinking, you know, a girl at mid-30s and you're thinking, clock's ticking, what's the story here? You've got to get into some action. And so um, 
no, it was not with regret. It was actually with pure joy. Not that I hated it at all. It wasn't. It's been. It was a wonderful, wonderful career. But also, I knew that there's a beauty of recognizing when time's up, when you've got to start listening to yourself and moving on and getting on with your life. And it was probably at a time when the digital influence in advertising was becoming stronger and stronger oh, as yeah, well. So the, the transition archy. was yeah. was really happening. Yeah, and and no, look, so it was it was uh, it was just perfect timing for me. And so um, my maternity leave obviously was uh, that was when I made my decision to um, resign. And and then we had our next big change, which uh, which came out of the blue with my husband sending me a text one day saying um, they've offered me a job in Perth. Oh, wow. And we've got a day to decide. And I just said, oh my God, this is absolutely fantastic. This is perfect timing. Obviously, coming back to Perth would be a natural thing for me. My husband, obviously, Sydney born and bred in the Northern Beaches, would be a new adventure. And that was it. We decided that day. We decided that night, actually, we were going to do it. So um, we had to pack up and move over within three weeks. So that's why I did my quick resignation and we arrived in Perth to start a new life. Wow, the full cycle. Yeah, so it has really been a full circle, literally. And uh, so we, we started settling into Perth and enjoying the freedom, the, obviously a lot quieter than Sydney, but um, we enjoyed the space and the peace that Perth had to offer. Fantastic. So, um, and, uh, and then after a year, I was trying to figure out, well, what could I do next with my um, skills and what I know? And I was in a mum's group and I saw caught a mum marking some work from uni and I said, what on earth are you doing? And she said, oh, I've got a part-time job at uni. I said, really? So I decided I'd send my CV, my resume at the time, over to the art and design department and I got a response immediately and I got a job immediately as a tutor for creative right. advertising, which ironically is where I actually had studied all those years oh, wow. prior. So I've come full circle career-wise because I'm now a tutor teaching creative advertising. So I feel I've actually really passed the baton on. I've done my bit, I've had my career, but now I've got my experiences and what I've learned that I can actually teach these students who are all absolutely delightful and wonderful. Fantastic, Catherine. Look, thanks for joining us on the island. I really, in a lot of the stories we've heard from, from other people, the, the tangent of people's lives has led them down a totally unique path that they've never come back from and they've, they've gone on and done other things. It's really interesting. Your story took you on some incredible journeys and, and some different paths. Yeah. But great for you that you've cycled back to, to where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that there's a, uh, and that probably helps you tie a bow around your career. I think to, it does. That's to, a nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah to know that you've, you've, you've done it, you've been there, you've travelled the world, you've achieved what you've achieved in that industry, and now you're back where it started but doing something totally different. Yeah, it's been great. Well, thanks for being on Max's Island today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's lovely. Thanks so much for having me. We spoke on the
bus On the way home from work He was lost in the details of life Each day was a blur Oh work and no play And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulin track sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phone, and 